Well, good evening. Thank you for having me. Again, my name is David Nugent, and like he said, I am the athletic director at ECS High School here in Memphis. I've been there about 16 months now, fulfilling my desire, my heart's desire for ministry and discipleship. Um, but before that, I was in medical device sales for 17 years. So you can imagine uh, going into education, I had no idea what to expect being around teenagers all day. And I thought, you know, maybe they might wear me out physically, mentally, but I think the opposite has happened. I think they're making me younger. So that's been a bonus for me. Um, my, my door is a revolving door. Uh, I love the kids. I love the relationships that I'm building. Uh, they come in all day long, and they just want to chat. They want advice. But I think the one thing that they're surprised by is they always want to talk football with me because they know what my background is. But as we get to talking, they quickly realize that I have no clue what's going on in the football world today. They start talking about these, these players, these stats, and I have no idea what they're talking about. And, you know, it's been so long since a guy that I played with or played against has played in the NFL. A lot of those guys have long since retired, so I don't have a whole lot of emotional ties to any teams anymore. However, there is one guy that I have continued to follow uh, that I've tuned in to watch his career for the past 23 years that I am emotionally invested in his success, and that is my good buddy, Tom Brady. Tom and I were drafted together way back in 2000. We were both six-round draft picks. He played at Michigan. I played at Purdue, so we knew each other coming in. We hit it off right away, and uh, we ultimately became roommates for about three years. And it was a really unique experience for me seeing this four-string rookie quarterback become this Super Bowl stud megastar that we all know today. And every single year for the past 23 seasons, I've looked forward to watching him defy all odds to become the greatest quarterback in NFL history. Now, sadly, he's retired, I think. We'll, we'll see. But if it is his last year, I've enjoyed watching every single year. But there is one year in particular that I was really looking forward to, and that was the 2007 season. And the reason why I was looking forward to that season is because I had some inside information. I had some scoop on how that season might play out. Because just a few years before that, in 2001, before our first Super Bowl, after we got done playing a game, we came back to our condo, and we started our post-game routine. We got a pizza. When was the last time Tom Brady ate a pizza? We sat down on the couch, turned on ESPN Sports Center, and watched all the highlights of the games that day. And the Minnesota Vikings were on. And Randy Moss was having a game. Now, for those of you who don't know or don't remember who Randy Moss was, at this time in the NFL, the league had never seen a player like Randy Moss. There was no receiver taller than him. There was no receiver that could jump higher than him, that was faster than him. And he was dominating the NFL. And this particular game that we were watching, he was dominating the other team. And I'll never forget, Tom looked over at me and said, Nugent, if I ever had a Randy Moss, the things I could do. And what did they do before that 2007 season? They acquired Randy Moss. In fact, they went out and got all these other offensive weapons that up until this point, Tom had never had before. And I couldn't wait for the world to see what my buddy was capable of doing. 
And sure enough, the 2007 season got started and the Patriots were shot out of a cannon. They started steamrolling over every team they played. They were dominating the NFL. They started setting all kinds of NFL records. They set an NFL record for most points in a season, largest point difference versus opponents, most first downs, most touchdowns. Tom threw for an NFL record 50 touchdowns. Randy Moss caught an NFL record 23 touchdowns. They won every single game that season. The first team to do that in a 16-game season. They went undefeated. People started talking about, is this the greatest team in NFL history? They cruise through the playoffs, and they have one more game to go. One more game to be perfect. The Super Bowl. And then along came the New York Giants. Still hurts. But see, if you were a Patriots fan, you felt pretty good about that matchup because that's who we played in week 16, and we beat them. So we could already taste the victory. So the game gets started. It's a pretty good game, but as expected, with about two minutes and 39 seconds left in the game, the Patriots are up 14 to 10. They kick the ball off to the Giants, and then Eli Manning. On a 17-yard line, he gets hot. And he starts driving down the field. And somehow, the Patriots manage to slow him down, slow down his momentum. They get it to third and five. With a minute and 15 seconds to go in the game, all they have to do is stop him on, its, on this one play. And they probably go on to win the game and become known as the greatest team in NFL history, history and be perfect. Well, Eli steps back in the pocket. Immediately, he is swarmed by Patriots defenders. They're pulling on his jersey. They're stretching it out. They're grabbing him by his helmet, by his ankles. They're all over him. And somehow, he miraculously spins out of it. And he steps back, and he launches this prayer 32 yards down the field. And this unknown receiver named David Tyree, who hadn't caught a pass hardly all season, jumps up, catches the ball against his helmet. Somehow he maintains control of the ball. First down, New York Giants. A couple plays later, Eli throws a touchdown. The clock winds down. The game expires. And the Patriots' shot at perfection is over. Now, if you're a fan... That one hurt. I remember not wanting to go to work for a week. I didn't want to talk to anybody about that game. But as a player, you're not just thinking about that game. You're thinking about everything that led up to that game. You're thinking about training camp, those hot summer practices, the blood, the sweat, the bruises, the 16-game season, the playoffs, how hard it was to be that good for so long. And one mistake cost them the game. Their shot at greatness. And for the next several weeks, all the sports reporters want to talk about is, how does it feel to come that close and to miss it by that much? 
The next several months, all the sports channels want to play is the highlight reel over and over again of that one mistake. And if you're a player, you're probably thinking, I'll never have a shot like that again. It's too hard to be that good. Why should I even try? Maybe I should give up. Maybe you know where I'm going with this. And I want you to listen to me closely. This is exactly where the enemy wants us to stay. He wants to say to us, you are not worthy. You are dirty. Your past is too filthy. Stay down. Stay right there. He wants to play the highlight reel of your mistakes in your past over and over again. Every time you think about pursuing righteousness, he says, no, remember what you did in the past? Let me counter that with truth. You don't have to be perfect because you have a perfect Savior. That when you repent of your sins, they are forgiven, forgotten, and not to be dwelled upon ever again. The Bible is very clear about this in, 40, in Isaiah 43, 18. It says, forget what happened in the past and do not dwell on events from long ago. Jesus is forgiving. And Jesus is loyal. When I first got to the Patriots way back in 2000, it was also Coach Belichick's very first year as head coach. And I was very amused because... The media could not stand coach. He would never give them what they wanted. He was always straight and to the point, one-word answers. And his press conferences became legendary. Well, there is one press conference in particular that he's especially known for, and it's called the We're On to Cincinnati press conference. And to give you some context, now we can fast forward seven years from that last Super Bowl, the Patriots have now established themselves as a dynasty. Tom has now established himself as an elite-level quarterback. However, the start of the 2014 season, something seemed off. The Patriots did not look like a good football team. They were 2-2. Two and two. They had just got blown out 41-14 to 14 by the Kansas City Chiefs. And there was one player in particular that looked really bad, Tom Brady. Every channel, maybe you remember this, every channel was saying he is washed up. He's not a good quarterback anymore. He doesn't have the arm strength anymore. It's time for the Patriots to move on past Tom Brady. Well, one by one, Coach Belichick got up to that podium after that Kansas City game and he started taking those questions. Coach, have you thought about putting in Tom's backup? What's the plans post Tom Brady? What are you going to do next week? And one by one, he simply said, we're on to Cincinnati. We're on to Cincinnati. We're on to Cincinnati. That's all he said. And what he was telling those reporters is, it doesn't matter what mistakes my quarterback has made. I know what I have in my quarterback. And we're on to the next game. Now, I can just imagine if Jesus was at that podium giving a press conference about my life, and my mistakes. And Satan was that reporter throwing questions at Jesus like, Jesus, what do you think about what David did today? What's your opinion on that? Jesus would say, we're on to tomorrow. And maybe Satan might try again and say, but Jesus, remember, this is the second time 
that David has done that this week. What are your thoughts on that? And Jesus would say, we're on it tomorrow. And maybe one more time, say he would give his best shot because he's so sneaky. He would say something like this. But Jesus, remember when he got down on his knees and he promised you that he would never do that again. Surely you don't forgive him. And I know without a doubt, because the Bible says so, that Jesus would say, we're on to tomorrow. Because just like Coach knew exactly what he had in his quarterback, he knew his heart, he knew his desire to not make mistakes. How much more does God know our heart that he created it? How much more does he care about us that he died for us? That he came down to earth as a man so that we could physically touch him and listen to him tell us exactly how much he loves us, exactly how much he cares about us. By the way, does anyone remember what happened that 2014 season? They won the Super Bowl that year. Everybody in the world was ready to write that guy off. But his coach stood by him because he knew what he had in his quarterback. And he knew his potential. In fact, Tom has been to four more Super Bowls since that game. You see, the enemy wants us to stay right there because he is terrified of what we become when we become who God created us to be. He doesn't want us to listen to God say, give me a chance. Hang in there just a little bit longer. You have no idea what I have in store for you. I have plans to prosper you. And the devil is terrified of us standing up. Jesus is forgiving. Jesus is loyal, even when we're not loyal back. I was saved at a young age, eight years old. I grew up loving the Lord. In fact, when I was 17 years old, I was about to start my senior year at Houston High School. I was about to have my first football game of the season. And I was driving home from a friend's house one night, and something came over me. I just wanted to walk out on the football field one more time before that first Friday night by myself and just take it all in. So I drove up to Houston High School, shook the gate. It was locked, so I climbed over the fence. And I walked right out onto that football field. And I started just looking up into the stands, just imagining what that first Friday night was going to be like. I was imagining where my parents were going to sit what the band was going to sound like, what my first big play was going to feel like. And in that moment, something came over me, and I got down on my knees, and I prayed right there on that 50-yard line. And my prayer was, God, use me through football to glorify you. Somehow use me through the game of football to bring you glory. Please understand, I didn't say, God, help me have a great senior year. Help me play in college. Help me go pro one day. None of that was on my radar, nor did I even think it was a possibility for me. I was just a 17-year-old kid that loved the Lord, that recognized I had a little bit of talent, and I just asked God to use it. Use it. And I believe that God saw the sincerity in my heart, and he took that and ran with it. He blessed me with an opportunity to play in college. He blessed me with an opportunity to be drafted by the Patriots. He blessed me with an opportunity to win a Super Bowl. 
And I wish that I could tell you I used every bit of that to glorify God. But I used none of it. In fact, I used all of it for selfish purposes. When I went off to college, I started doing and saying things I thought I'd never say and do. When I went to the NFL, it got worse. When I moved home, it got worse. In fact, if you were on the outside looking in, you would say there is no way that guy is a Christian. There's no evidence of Christ in his life. And then about 15 years ago, I believe something bad was about to happen. Because God clearly spoke to me and told me, you can continue down this path that's going to lead to your destruction. Or you can do a 180 and become the man that I created you to be. And in that moment, I got down on my knees and literally cried out to the Lord, give me a second chance. Still use me somehow. Cleanse my mind, my body, and my spirit. And God went to work. I stopped watching the things I was watching, listening to the things I was listening to, hanging out with the people I was hanging out with. If it wasn't my family, I didn't leave the house because I was too weak against the world. God replaced the junk that had built up in my mind with Philippians 4.8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. He implemented Romans 12.2 into my life. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. A couple years after that, God introduced me to my wife, who I believe he was protecting from me while preparing me for her. A couple years after that, I became a father. This is an old picture. We're actually expecting our fourth in two months. This is the life that God had tended, intended for me all along. I just had to get out of the way. I had to submit everything over to him so that he can give me the life that he wanted me to have. So that he could use me. There is a life that he desperately wants everyone in this room to have, that he has created uniquely for you. But we have to submit everything over to him in order for it to work. And he is waiting for us to do that. When I was 17 years old, I was thinking about that football season on that football field. But I believe in God's providence, he was thinking about nights like tonight. He's still using me through football to glorify him. If you remember nothing else, God's grace and mercy have become so real to me that I don't want to just accept the gift of Christ. I want to live for him. He is not just a genie to me that I go to, give him my wishes, get what I want, 
and then put him back in a bottle. He is my best friend, my biggest supporter. And I want to spend the rest of my life showing him how much I appreciate what he's done for me. And I want to love people because he loves me. Let's bow our heads. Oh, Father God, thank you for this opportunity, Lord. You have redeemed a platform that I've prayed for. You can redeem anyone's platform if you can redeem mine. Father, I pray that you spoke to someone tonight, Lord. I pray that there are men in this room that want a fresh start. And it is never too late to ask for that, God, because you are so forgiving and so willing to accept us as we are where we are. Lord, if there's anyone in here that has not accepted you, Lord, I pray that they don't waste any more time. They do business with you tonight. They get it done tonight. Lord, if they would just simply say, Lord, I acknowledge that I am a sinner, that I've made mistakes. I hear you talking to me tonight, Lord. Save me, Jesus. Become my Savior. I accept you right now. Lord, if anyone has said that prayer, heaven is rejoicing right now, in this very moment. Lord, we love you. We thank you for nights like tonight to honor you. And it is in your holy name we pray. Amen.